0: Hey everybody, Hella Bass back again with another episode this week. This week we're talking with Bassmaster's own Ronnie Moore. The guy on ESPN2, the guy on Bassmaster.com, part of Bassmaster Live, former bass fishing fantasy pundit. We're going to talk about all things uh, bass fishing, the northern swing, specifically break down the St. Lawrence uh event in great detail going through each bucket and doing all the picks and then we touch on St. Clair and Champlain and a few other events. So this is a super fun episode. It was great that Ronnie could make time for us. Uh so you'll be listening to the live stream you did on YouTube. If you're curious on what's going on, go check out the live stream on YouTube. You can watch the replay and then uh every Wednesday night between like eight and nine PM Central we do a live stream on YouTube and you can participate if you want. So until then, enjoy the episode and here to help you suck less at Fantasy Fishing this week. All right, what's up, everybody? We're live tonight with Ronnie Moore. We got a few people, get a few moments for people to get trickled in, let their notifications pop off, and uh, remind them that, uh, that we're chatting tonight. I just got
1: my notification, so that means other people are too. Um, You'll probably have a lot less viewers tonight, Rich, than you're used to because people don't want to hear from me, so they're going to just tune off. I don't know if that's true. I mean, people should know that you took time
0: off of probably playing Call of Duty with Adam Bartusek to do this stream, so this is a big deal tonight. You made
1: no. sacrifices to be here. Like, this is this is important stuff. I may, I may have texted him at about 1 o'clock and said, yo, I'm going to be home at 5 o'clock and I can play – Thirty and I get it off, and then maybe at the end of the night, closer to midnight, I can play. All right,
0: what's up, Lunkers with Lucas PB Dad? Thanks for joining in. Um, so I think most everybody knows who Ronnie Moore is. Maybe not. If if, if you follow the Bassmaster Elite Series, you're probably familiar with Ronnie Moore. Um, and have seen you on the streams, and most recently, maybe even on ESPN 2 And actually, I'm kind of regretting. I literally cut the cable like a few weeks before. Uh, So like I just had to stream it on my laptop or mobile device. Um, So, but what, what, I mean, maybe just talk about that. That's like a big deal, I think. Like, what, what was it? What was any, was there anything different for you? Or what was just your thoughts
1: on being on the deuce? It really didn't feel different For the four days, if I can say that. But the first day, I'll say that I didn't speak up early and often. I let the show do its thing. We got to see some guys catch some fish. We kind of just let the thing flow. We started seeing some catches come in, so I clipped them off, or or my buddy Kyle in the back clipped them off and would send them to me. I'd post them up on social media and kind of get everybody in tune with the event going on because it was different. It was uh, Wednesday through Saturday. Um, instead of Thursday through Sunday. So I wanted to make sure that people were watching. And so I was reserved. I, I was a little quieter and people thought like jump in there. And I was like, I'm only jumping in for my monitor hits, uh, the screen of knowledge if I have to, but it, man, it's everything I've ever dreamed of. I mean, it's, it's cool. People probably when I post stuff getting excited, they probably think that I'm trying to rub it in everyone's face and then I'm dragging, but it's the coolest thing ever being a kid that, uh, was nicknamed Mouth by my fifth grade math teacher. She called me Mouth in front of the kids in class and probably thought that was uh, a way to jab at me, but I should write Mary a letter and let her know, like, hey, my mouth has uh, helped me get to my dream job and, and I've been on ESPN too. So that's been awesome. This year's been great. 2020, everybody wants to cancel the year. Man, there's so many good things that can come out of bad moments. And this year, uh, we, They asked me to be a part of the ESPN2 ESPN postage show. You know, I'm always on Bass Live, but to right. be able to take a step and to help with the ESPN2 show for at least a couple minutes each show uh, has meant the world to me. I mean, that's a dream come true. I got tickled the other day. It was like five years ago. I made my first ever TV show shoot with Thomas Daniels in college on ESPN2, so it's, it's, it's a dream come true and I'm uh, I'm excited to be with Bassmaster and and do this stuff cuz man it's this is my 7th year working with Bassmaster and I'm, I just turned 27. So I just I always have to do that remind myself to be patient cuz I got a long time left to accomplish goals and, and it's early in my life so Yeah. So watch your back Tommy Sanders. <laughs> Everybody always goes to poisoning him but he is like my hero, my favorite dude in the world and I, to get to le- to get to learn from him uh, every day is cool and and he always is he's the most humble person ever so uh it's pretty interesting and for those tuning in uh this is wine. for those northerners that probably follow rich you probably don't know what cheer wine is but this is from I'm Atlanta, aware of it. Carolina, and it's good it's a good cherry soda more cherry than dr pepper but other than that and I would be drinking mountain dew I literally finished them up yesterday's so it's probably my yeah. one Achilles, Achilles uh, is a is those
0: this like big social push where they were uh paying twenty dollars if you like submitted a screenshot or a of your license and it like just started this morning and i was like oh i was out actually breaking in my outboard just got a powerhead replaced on this so uh and i was like the the bank was already gone like they went through all whatever hundred thousand just like that like so that's
1: I did see that for your state. That's big for hunting and fishing because it wasn't just for fishing, but I know Minnesota is like, you know, the land of 10,000 lakes and hunting and whatnot is probably also widely treasured there. So that's awesome for Mountain Dew to do it. And I always have them because you take them in the boat. I don't care what any article says about disputing that it works on bleeding bass. I will do it right. every single time because I think it works, you know, and it gives right. me confidence.
0: Yeah, I've done it. Can't say it ever went badly for me. Maybe it would have been fine either way, but. Never hurts. Plus, I mean, you just you pour a couple ounces in there, and then you got a nice cold beverage while you're running your next spot. So. Once you
1: opened it, you now I got I got to drink it now.
0: Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, I mean, I, I know you've you've heard all the stats about like all the license increases and things like that. I guess from your perspective, are you guys seeing anything numbers wise or new faces or is there anything in your data that's like, are you seeing the effect? Uh, as like fans of bass fishing with, I mean, obviously you're not seeing 37 percent jumps like the states aren't licenses, but are you seeing any of that carryover uh, into following the elite
1: series or the opens or anything like that, or like uptick in bass nation enrollment or any of that kind of stuff? See, I don't, I don't know about membership necessarily, but I know our engagement and whatnot. I know ESPN Two brought in a whole new demographic live of people who were, what am I doing? I'm little tuning in for day two to see how the tournament's going for bass fishing because I, I caught a glimpse of it on day one. We were making new fans. Overall, I think a lot of people have just been able to enjoy and appreciate the outdoors during this time because they've been, they've been you know, maybe cooped up or other social gatherings, other things they've been doing over their life. But now, Hey, when it's all freed up and you have a boat that you use three times a year, they're using it three times a week or with the different furloughs and things. That's the one bright spot really. Our economy was shutting down, but a lot of people were still buying gas. Or a lot of people were still buying tackle, licenses, things like that. But I do think it, it crowded the lakes in one time, but man, we sometimes don't like that as fishermen. But the more people that are outdoors, the better, because that's more people who care about it, more people that will invest in conservation, more people that invest in the state parks, and it only makes it better for us in the future where maybe we won't have to pay for entry or we will not have to pay for ramp fees anymore in our lifetime. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting because
0: you hear a lot of people like, Oh, we want to grow the sport. We want to grow the sport. But a lot of times those people don't want to see those people on their lake or on their river or on Right. Like uh,
1: that's what, and, and Hey, all of that's the hot word. Everyone wants to talk about game changer. They want to talk about all these things. But over the last few years, everybody's been like, we got to grow the sport. We got to grow the sport. And I've always been like, pump the brakes y'all. I've covered the college series for the last couple of years, cover the opens, watch the elites, the, leadership, the fans. We can't grow the sport much more than it is without the sport having to adjust and adapt because we are busting at the seams. Every high school tournament, I mean, we had a 337 vote high school championship and that was the top 10% in the nation qualified. So we had 300 or we had 3,400 teams, Try to make the high school championship. Six hundred anglers. That's thirty-four hundred boat drivers. That is an incredible amount for a high school series. Every college has two hundred and fifty boats with with people who are investing in getting their own equipment, their own boats. Two anglers. I said, dude, our our sport is is grown. We don't have to grow the sport. It's grown and it's self it's self sufficient now. We need to figure out how to manage the sport. So that bubble doesn't pop and we don't know what to do with all these people right I think part of it is like we gotta we
0: gotta keep them right like we have to like we gotta make sure like they just don't go off and get a job and then forget about fishing and like you know uh you know make sure that life doesn't get so busy that they've stopped being a fan of the sport you know even though they like hey i get to fish all the time it's a high school program it's great but you want you know we
1: want to keep them engaged in the outdoors so And and people will get burned out by it for sure. Tournament fishing will burn you out. You know, getting your teeth punched in every day in a boxing ring. You're gonna learn how to either duck or you're gonna you're gonna gonna end up being a, a ring coach at some point. But that's just what's great about that is it's gonna it's gonna show people, hey, you can go work for Bassmaster. You can write stories. You can go be a sales rep for a company that you know products or marketing or whatever. But uh, it's just going to allow more people, and hey, competition breeds um, you know, growth, and I think that that's one thing that I'm excited about. Is there's going to be a lot of people to fill these roles, and then the next five to 10 years, all the pro staff managers will fish in college, and they're going to know what it's like to be an angler. So they're they're going to know how to help the anglers with, with contracts or with how much tackle they need, when they need it. I think that, not that they're not responsive now, uh, but I think that a lot of people have been like, hey, I've... Fish for a living. I didn't just manage numbers or I didn't just edit video. I know anglers don't want that spot. If I show that clip, it's going to show too much of their spot. I need to maybe start the clip five seconds later just to protect them. I think about that stuff all the time as just, and that's a yeah. small, small port. I know. There, there was
0: a whole bunch of controversy
1: about that in another big event down in Florida not too long ago <laughs> about how much they showed in the highlights. Oh yeah. And and it's, and it's hard. You got to do your job. At the end of the day, anglers signed up and they know what they're facing. They know if I got a camera in my boat, there's positives and negatives to it. Uh, Mm -hmm. If I don't have a camera in my boat, there's positives and negatives to it. And you know what? All day of the week, every day, mic me up, put a camera in the boat because that's an opportunity to change my life in the sport. If you don't want it, that's fine. You don't have to, you know, just like, yeah. Nobody's making you be a pro angler. Nobody's making you. You know they they will make you have a camera in your boat if you. Even I, if, I think the complaint was yeah, is yeah. in that
0: particular tour, they're only allowed to watch that one highlight reel. That's the only thing they're allowed to watch. So it was all in the hands of the people that put the clips together on what the other anglers saw. So that was the bone of contention. Which, yeah, but
1: um it's hard. Yeah. I to think about it every time I'm like, man, oh, sure. you know what? Um You're going to post anything innocent and someone's going to have a negative intent and and it could backfire on you. So if you post it without a free conscience or with a free conscience and you know, hey, that's a lay down or that's a big red dock. You know, Jamie Hartman at Gunnersville when he won last year, that was hard early in the morning or even any clip. That's a giant white dock. I mean, you know exactly where he's at on Gunnersville If you've ever been there, when you see that giant community dock or that big barge sitting in the background, you know exactly where he's at you just got to figure out which angle of the river it's at and you've got it you're either a couple hundred yards north or a couple hundred yards south so hey i'd rather capture the moment i i, I think a lot of them yeah. would, would rather have right. the, I think
0: the big captured. issue for them is that they don't fish every day and so when they sat one day then
1: <laughs> oh, yeah and that's that's the difference yeah. yeah for sure right single day jamie hartman's like i'm gonna burn this spot down they might never be right. a bad day again but it's it's it is what it is. It thinks, but hey, we finally displayed it on the final day. You know. Yeah. So Lunker
0: says, can't wait for St. Lawrence, and we're definitely going to talk about St. Lawrence a whole bunch here soon. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more general bass stuff and what's going on and, and that kind of stuff. We're going to work our way into the St. Lawrence and the Northern Swing here. So we will be doing some picks, and we're going to you know, you'll definitely get the chance to ask all kinds of questions to both Ronnie and I for setting your fancy teams and a whole bunch of other stuff. So
1: and I can't I can't thank everybody who's tuned in and saying the kind things about. Um, just uh, just about me already, or or the event. I'm excited, and yeah, there's going to be. Man, it's hard. You could say this guy's going to be a good pick, and he catches right. 20 pounds a day, but he might finish 65th place if he catches 20 pounds a day. You got to find a guy to catch 25 yeah. or 23, and so it will be fun. It should be a great event, and it's going to be different. We get. To, I, I mean, I told you this before yeah. we started. Hey, if there's an event to to do, I would love to do the St. Lawrence now because it's a, a totally brand new playing field. Um, from what everybody expected when they signed up for the elites last year. Yeah. So, Lunkers, just wait.
0: We'll get to it soon. We'll, we'll get into the picks. So, come back with those questions a little bit. And make sure you guys like and uh, and share this. Make sure there's as many eyeballs to get on Ronnie since he took the time to be with us tonight.
1: So, yeah, got nothing going on, bro. I mean, we're probably not
0: going to quite hit 2.8 million
1: like we did on ESPN yeah. two, but yeah. we want to get as much as possible tonight. So, hey, if 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 Rich is stream gets 85 million minutes viewed tonight. Um, I'm going to sell my house that I just bought and I'm going to move to Minnesota. So y'all, y'all make me do that. We'll go, we'll go fishing. <laughs> That'd be sweet.
0: Um, uh, and a bit, we're back in the, the Bass Cat studio. So last week the Bass Cat was getting a new power head put on it. And so now I'm back in the Bass Cat. So I feel more comfortable. Things are good. I started breaking it in this week. So, uh, I feel like the, the swagger is back for the stream this week. Um, so I know, like, you know, it's been a really weird year. Like uh, the starts and the stops and the St. John's and the almost Chickamauga two times and like, I guess, w- what are your thoughts just overall, like, of the season and what are the, what are, what do you think some of the good things that came of the the convolutedness of it? I guess what do, what are the what are the bright spots with all
1: the adversity? Man, I'm super excited to see. Three events in the fall early winter down south that is a time of the year that is underrated for the south it's tough but if you're um anytime in the summer you know anytime when the post spawn hits in the south to the fall it's always going to be easier above the mason dixon line than it is below so that's just that's what it is but there's no better places to be than chickamauga Santee Cooper and Lake Fork down in in, uh, Texas in that October and November region. I'm really excited about that. We're going to see, I said, hey, the Whopper Plopper Elite Series. We could see some plopper action, some buzzbait action, some stuff that we wouldn't have seen. So I think the fans who tune in for those three events are going to learn a lot. But uh, somebody said the other day, yeah, you're just going to have to, you know, it's just a nonchalant conversation. They're like, you're going to have to asterisk the AOI this year just with everything that's going on. I'm like, asterisk it. And if we put a full season together, Whoever wins, they earned it because it's like it was uh, other than the St. John's. And even that was different because it was three days instead of four, the crazy weather, the tough fishing. So this has been the year of adversity. Everybody wants to talk about, hey, I'm a versatile angler because I like to throw what they're biting. You got to be fishing where they are all year this year because you're going to have you're going to have to earn it to win angler of the year. Scott Canterbury's gotten off to a great start. A handful of other guys have done good in the first two events, but I'm excited about that. That's the positive of it for me. Is we got a built-in fall trail that we haven't had since 2005, and we had that in 2005. If you remember, we had the normal, you know, fifties, one fifties, the the Bassmaster Tour called. They had the classic in Pittsburgh in the summer. And then they went ahead and they're like, we're going to switch over to the to the spring class in 2006 without skipping a beat." So they had to start right there in August and go through December and set the classic for 2006. So uh, that's the last time we really had a fall trail. I've always enjoyed those open in the fall. It's always been interesting how people manage fish. And uh, Tenkiller proved it last year. Tenkiller was supposed to be it was supposed to be Fort Gibson in the spring. It turned into Tenkiller in the fall and it was tough as can be. And it was an incredible. It, it allowed the comeback to happen with Carl being third place uh, uh-huh. and 20-pound bag, biggest bag of the tournament, and winning that. It uh, that magic happened because the weights were so tight with how tough it was. So I love that. That uh, if you make the top 10 on any of those three events, you're gonna have a shot to win, especially because they're still. And I think, I
0: think if you're like a buzzbait whopper plopper guy, like this is that's the time of year where you like it you're won. gonna. Like, and I do think you're going to see some guys pop off and have some big tournaments that normally get overshadowed because that is their strong suit. And I don't know who they are, but some of these old school guys like Rick Klun or, uh, you know, might shine out, you know, maybe David Fritz. I don't know. Like, but, you know, I know, like, you know, obviously James Watson doesn't fish the Bass National Elite Series, but he's literally made a career fishing. Costas and uh FLW series events, and you know, PAAs, and all that kind of stuff. When they would go through the Ozarks and middle Tennessee in like November, October, right? Like, he just yeah, he's got out. Like, so there's gonna be other guys that you know are gonna wreck him, and you know, maybe not wreck him, but they're gonna catch him back. You know, it's because like wrecking him might be 14 pounds uh in the fall on these tournaments on some of them, uh,
1: where yeah. some guys yeah. Might count, yeah, so. I think I think the clones of the world, those Ozark anglers, uh, the Oklahoma anglers. I think those guys are grinders, you know, from the start. I think the North Carolina pros will be just fine as well. North Carolina is one of those places that has plenty of lakes. that get twenty pounds, but if you can catch that thirteen to fifteen pounds mm-hmm. daily, you're going to be in most tournaments. And that sometimes gets overshadowed on the elites with the twenty pound bag. So that fall, and Stetson Blaylock's going to be one to watch. He got second angler of the year last year. Not, not guy that I'm going out on a limb for. But him being right down the street um, from us and and fishing these tougher places in the fall and whatnot, I think that uh, I think that he – we always have our super tournaments, and it's always that whopper plopper buzz bait, maybe a small spinnerbait bait, and uh, that's what he grew up doing. And I think that some of those guys, the Harvey Horns of the world, they'll get a uh-huh. chance to shine for sure. And, and you know, even the Patrick Walters and the Jake Whitakers, the guys who don't necessarily – they love catching 20-pound bags, but they're not, like, all about it. Like, it's, it's sometimes – a lot of work to do it. Uh, they'll be totally prepared for those thirteen, thirteen pound bags. as a good bag, you know. Although
0: I also feel like Canterbury is very well suited for that, and he's already in the driver's seat. So this might be. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he did not have a weakness. Really, he did not have a weakness. Last year, his weakness yeah. was the St. Lawrence and Caillou, eleventh and third. And so yeah, he did really well with on those one. those cups in the summer. So I think
0: you know Buzzbait yeah. Joe, he's gonna. Uh, I think this is a good question to kind of segue us into starting to talk about the St. Lawrence. John D says, oh, or, correct. Rock Taylor says, in the history, have there ever been brothers to take first and second in the same tournament?
1: There's probably a better question for Ken Duke, but. <laughs> yeah. uh, man, I don't know if, um, you know, Billy and Bobby probably back in the day, the Murray brothers, uh, right. Bobby Lane maybe. Had gotten top tens together. I don't know if they got yeah. first and second. Uh, the St. Lawrence slash Ontario. That we'll get into that, but that that could be the Johnston Storm. You know, opportunity right. for that. But um, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I think. Shoot, we have such few occurrences of brothers. I'm probably missing some people um, for sure. But I think that. A, yeah, a, I think a couple. Son, I think. I think Denny won. And Chad Brower got, like, third or something right. at the Classic at High Rock, I think. We did a cast from the past with Denny, and I think Chad had finished weighing in his fish, didn't win it, got off stage, and then walked back up to congratulate his dad, you know, two guys later. So I think that would be a good right. one to include. It's father, son. It's not It's not brothers. But, um, that's the thing. And you, you clicked off of it, but John D, I'm ready for a full schedule in 2021. We still have a full schedule. Right. Twenty twenty, we, we are that's You're working hard to reschedule Cayuga, right? Not maybe at Cayuga, but that event. Yeah, we got. There's Did that event. Yeah, there's a week or two that they have. You know, whether it's a August September time period, there's probably a week or two we already have built in there after we reschedule the opens and stuff to be able to do a full season. And that's why everyone's like, I want to know what they're doing in New York. Even the anglers are saying that it's like, just pause, pump the brakes. We're gonna just make sure we can do we can we can give up on doing a full season and just give you the answer you want no new york or yes new york or this or cancel that but i love the staff at bass right now because they're trying to give them a full schedule which is what everybody wants if you're an angler you want as many shots on goal for a chance at making a big payday and paying you know providing for your family so 2021 maybe it'll get back to normal but uh, I think that we'll look back on 2020 and we'll still have some really good memories from it. The Buddy Gross come back, Paul Mueller going against the grain to win, Hank Cherry staying close at the Gunnersville Classic, St. Lawrence with Ontario in play. There's already so many storylines, and we, you know, that's just the first few events we've even had. The Open that we had, John Garrett had sick fish and didn't cull and had two pound penalty and lost by a few ounces. Like, I mean, there ain't. It's been a, when we've been able to have a tournament, it's been electric, and I, I'm excited about that. Yeah, and I don't know why,
0: when people forgot how to count,
1: but – I know, I know. I've never had that issue. I,
0: I catch you're on someplace like the Tennessee River and you're catching every cast, but like on the Arkansas
1: River, you're not catching them that fast. You? <laughs> exactly. and, and that was the problem. We watched it. I watched it unfold, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I'm almost 1,000% sure he already has five, and he just called this sixth one his fifth. And it's because yeah. he had just a line burner to start the day, like just a barely keeper that he just forgot about or it came off the cold clip. And the last time he put number five in, you know, there's four clips there that are floating or whatever. And uh, it was unfortunate. But I said to John that night, there's a better – better things are coming for him because of that, because he missed out on the opportunity to win. I don't know if it's an elite qualification. I don't know if it's a future classic thing. Or if, uh, you know, the love that he's going to get for for doing it live and calling Chris Bowe and going through it uh, definitely was, was a vulnerable thing. And uh, it was a vulnerable moment. Like, just that's the worst feeling ever. And he's like, oh, I can't believe I did that. I just, or the lesson learned that
0: it won't happen to him in even a bigger stage, right? It won't happen to him when he's in the lead or when he's in a class or when something like that. Uh, so William, who's head-to-head picks between us? I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know where you're at. What are you say? I'm looking at me. I saw that comment too. You're ahead of me coming into you, follow. I guess I don't know. We'll, we'll probably get into that. We'll, we'll yeah. look at the. Uh, um, this is a good question uh, from uh, Jay Pup here. He says, How cool and awkward at the same time is it working with Z?
1: <laughs> Z is, is what you see is what you get. He is not one way on camera and a different off camera. He is the same guy. Um, you know, obviously, after you talk all day long, it might be a little quieter after live, but if you see him at an expo, if you see him walking in the street, he's going to be the same Z. Uh, he balances a whole lot of stuff in his life with him doing Bassmaster stuff, having his own show, his own sponsors, doing his own family stuff, traveling. Uh, I love Z. It is very awkward though. I made a, I made a, I stubbed my toe on ESPN2 the other day on at the screen of knowledge and, I I was like, don't you dare look at him. If you look over at Z, you're going to mess up even more. Just keep looking at the camera. And I just – I look straight ahead because if I was looking at Z, he'd be like making some kind of face over there, and I would just – I would be done. And and he has – he's the only person that has – that I've known so far that has the ability to spin me out whenever he wants. Nice. Yeah. Brock was a good point. He's he's one of my favorite – one of my
0: favorite people. By LaHue, opened the door for Buddy Gross, which created an epic comeback and made an awesome, you know, final day live. Um,
1: I like to say, well, if Shane wouldn't have made that call infraction, yes, Buddy would have finished 11th, but that doesn't mean that Canterbury would have won, you know, or whatever. You don't know what's going on that day, but LaHue would have been seventh after catching 25 plus pounds, and that's what he would have needed on the final day was just 25 pounds, and he would have won. I say just 25 pounds but the guy who was just about to register the biggest bag of the event prior to his penalty all he needed to do was just match that the next day and he would have won and you never know how they people feel different or whatever you know every like with a you in the mix maybe
0: he's fishing the same water as Canterbury and they share water and somebody else rises up I mean like you just don't know what's uh, but it definitely opened the door for buddy that's there's no doubt that <laughs> uh, um Hunkers asked, "What happened to Sabine? Sabine got rescheduled to be Cayuga, and then Cayuga got going to be rescheduled again. So um, they I'm have- sure Sabine in the next season or two, I'm sure they'll go back there uh, at some point. So,
1: so the Sabine, uh, they have a brand new pavilion that they've built where we had a, gi- a giant open field. If you see those those weigh-in shots of how many people are there, that was just a big open field. They've made a big pavilion area for for fans to do that, um, and then." Also, if we rescheduled it in the fall like we were planning to, a chunk of the fishery would have been off-limits because it's like a wildlife refuge. So the guys would have already had only the Texas side of the Sabine because Louisiana's out of play. Part of the Texas would have been out of play a little bit, and that would have been even less water to fish. And so they said, hey, why don't we just reschedule it? We'll come back and maybe 2021. We'll knock it out. Your pavilion will be built by then and all that. And so um, hopefully so.
0: Yeah, and that's—I mean—that place is tough enough already. You don't need to be going there at the end of the
1: <laughs> in, late in the year, like. And if you want to have a like a, a fan base and a crowd, often brings a lot of economy to towns, like Waddington, like Orange, Texas. And so, uh, would you rather if you like Waddington has you know like Saint Lawrence River? We're we're planning to go back years to come. You know what I'm saying? But if you're a place that doesn't have a contract in place, or you don't know when the next one's going to be you want to make sure you execute on it. And so they're like, Hey, COVID's here. Pavilion's not done. Uh, let's just redo it. when right. We have our full fan base and really make that impact in the town. Like we were, like we know we can in past years. Yeah. What's up, Roger? Roger talking junk. Yeah.
0: Sometimes Roger sends me these really elaborate Google sheets and I just, they, my mind is like, I don't know what you're doing here, Roger, but I'm glad it works for you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And I have no I, I I forget a little bit about spinnerbaits and crankbaits and drop shots when I read that document. But I learn a whole lot of numbers, and probabilities, and I'm like, man, that's that has taken a lot of time for someone who doesn't get paid to do. it. I haven't created a database like that for fantasy fishing, and I and I, you know, I'm the vast authority on it. Roger, Roger, Roger,
0: you need to go fishing more and spend time on spreadsheets. Um, but, yeah, so let's let's start to talk about this. So we're going up north, and it sounds like we're 99.5% fishing St. Lawrence as long as there's no, like, weird thing that pops up next week. Um,
1: or tomorrow, or, like, in a minute. Yeah, you never know. Yeah,
0: yeah check Twitter. Maybe it's already canceled. Yeah. Um, but uh, so just a few things that people should know, right? Now, this uh, Cayuga would have been a really sweet event uh they would have caught him it would have been awesome i was really pulling i wanted to see it because i really felt like seth would have had a great chance to win um i think the flipping bite would have been good i think he would have not laid off him as much as he did last year early in the event and I, you know so there's a couple minnesota guys that i think would have done really well on cayuga um but now we're going to st lawrence and we're adjusting a few things they're not allowed to fish canada and we're going down to Clayton, which is about what, 70, 75 miles closer to Lake Ontario. And we are a lot there Now we, the anglers are allowed to fish the U.S. side of Ontario. Yep. Um, I guess my question is, you've covered some of the events up there. You probably have a better idea, like, how much, how many of the anglers and how much the, I just, I don't know, roughly percentage, were they fishing the U.S. or the Canadian side, like. Like the guys have been doing really well. Were they really like banking on that? Was that really heavily utilized? And then the lake. Do you know is it is it good on the U.S. and the Canadian side on the lake? And what are your thoughts on what is this going to do? That's a whole lot of questions. But go ahead.
1: <laughs> so uh, I think um, we've seen in past years. I believe uh, Micah Fraser won last year's event in Canada, mm-hmm. in the river. Uh, when Kalinick won in 2013, it was in the lake. He was the only one that went to the lake, and it was in the New York side. It was in the USA side. Obviously, there's a lot of good fishing there um, in the lake. Probably if the lake was in limits and Canada was available, it would be really hard to beat the Johnstons. It'll still be hard to beat some of the guys because they know about the lake, but Canada and the lake is just you know is very good as well. A lot more water to fish, but there's still a bunch of water in Ontario in the New York side the fish all those islands and twists and turns and different rises and rock piles and things. There's plenty of that. There's plenty of shallow stuff as well. Um, I think it'll be interesting because there are good there are good stretches on the New York side in the St. Lawrence River itself. There'll be people who probably run from Dayton and will try to go towards Waddington, even though everyone from Waddington goes down. I think it's to get away from people, but I also think a right. the quarter of the field minimal. I think, I think at least 20-plus people go to the lake, no no doubt. They don't even practice the river. I think at least 20 yeah. fish the lake exclusively for three days for practice and, and bank on the lake. Um, I talked to Polnick about it, and the interview just went up on Bassmaster.com and the video page, but it'll be out, you know, noted more heavily next week. He mentioned how back in the day, you look at the results and any tournament near the lake had higher winning weights than by Waddington, but how you was know, seven years ago, recently Waddington put out just as much weight, you know, tournaments that are out of there. So the river's definitely caught up to the lake, um, but where you find them on the lake, the lake can definitely produce. But I, uh, you guys, we run all the way down to the bar boundary at the mouth of the uh, mouth of the lake and they still catch them well. So I think that a lot of these people uh, are going to be able to spread out in just different regions than we've seen. We're going to see some of the guys in the New York Valley down by the mouth. We're going to see some of them run up and fish mid mid, mid portions of the river. Uh, we'll see some guys go to water. There is an opportunity that we have anglers fishing on live 150 miles apart. You know, we have 110 miles of river to fish from Messina. I'm putting my hands out. From Messina to the to the mouth of the lake, 110 miles well, now that we're in Clayton and it's still all the way to Messina is open and the lake, uh, we got 200, 200 miles at least, you know, in store. And so I think that they'll be, will they'll fish it the same as they have in past years, but there are going to be a lot of areas that were overlooked that people will catch them on for sure. And, and it'll, it'll, I think it'll teach us a lot more about the river than we knew.
0: And cause like, when Polnik won in thirteen, right? That was the last year that the lake was first and last. Yep. Yeah. So that was the first time. So it, you know, that one time it was one up there. And I believe the other years that Polnik did well, he usually liked to get really close to like he was making pretty big runs. Um how's the largemouth fishing down towards Clayton versus up? Like, are we getting further away from the largemouth or is that sprinkled
1: all along there? I think all those little bays have them for sure. Um, I know a lot of those islands, you know, where Van Dam fished and whatnot, and he was fishing for smallmouth. A lot of those islands have reeds and different things that largemouth are out in the middle of the St. Lawrence River. They're not just in a bay around docks. So I think – I know I covered uh, ski Reese down where basically all the castles are. are I don't know what – but, you know, I could probably find it on the map real quick. But all the way down, you know, not, not all the way um, – to the mouth, but I'd say three quarters of the way down there. Probably we were probably down there right around Clayton. But he was catching smallmouth at the mouths of bays, and there was plenty of fishable water there. I think the largemouth will be fine. I think I think David Fritz last year and I think Brandon Card. Um there's a couple guys that Hunter Shriok. Hunter Shryock had a yep. great tournament with the mouth. I know Fritz was okay. going a great. long way with Waddington and fish for largemouth too. Yeah, and somebody fished smallmouth for
0: three days and then thought they were going to try largemouth. Just
1: De Palma, with the Greg DePalma. Yep. Yeah. And he, hey, he, yes. him, he had like a mixed bag that day. I think he had three and two. I don't know if it was three largemouth, two smallmouth or vice versa, but he ended up catching them and it wasn't really dramatic. It wasn't like he was fishing deep and then went and fished in dirt shallow for largemouth. It was like yeah, sure was know, a Carolina right? rig, and then he was fishing like a shallower Carolina rig spot, you know? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is it smallmouth that wins? Almost,
0: yeah. I uh, mean, you know, a multi-day event, I think you're going to have the majority smallmouth. Could you slip a, a freak largemouth in to help yourself? Yeah. Can you make a top ten? Can you make a good check with largemouth? Yes, but I don't think you can win it with largemouth, especially with the lake in play. I just don't.
1: Uh, I don't. I don't either. I think that the lake now being in play cements even further that the only way was is if you're rolling up. You know, you might have a longer run and you're running in and you you got there a little early, so you fish near Clayton for largemouth right. or you fish you just fish the bank because you didn't practice around there. I could see you catching a largemouth that could help a little bit, but dude, it's gonna be you gotta catch a four and a half, five pounder, you know, like and that's yeah. they're not unicorns, but it's not easy to do it in twenty minutes. You know, you can't just go up and go catch a five pound largemouth in twenty minutes. You can probably go catch 15 2 pounders, three pounders, but you can't you can't go uh, probably go catch a five pounder immediately. Yeah.
0: Uh, what's up, Sean Lai. Thanks for joining in. Uh, Tom's here after his nap. Uh, William got it. It's like, what does ESPN say about the cancellations? Um, uh, I think they're so
1: starved for content. Like they're not too picky these days, but what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just a heads up from us. You know, Mike McKinnis, my boss here at little rock. Uh, he, he just has a good communication with, with ESPN. And is like, Hey guys, We've got three New York events coming up at the end of July. What do you guys think? And they're like, heck yes, live was great for you follow. Let's do it again. And then when we let them know, hey, one of our events got canceled because of New York, they're like, okay, no big deal. We'll just keep doing whatever we were doing before. And then, yeah. all, you know, but the number, the hours and stuff are, are going to be fun. I, I know, um, I, I know. uh for ESPN two, we normally do six hours of live. We do three hours, an hour break, and three hours. And part of the St. Lawrence and, and Champlain will have seven straight hours. You know, at times, certain days, we'll go seven straight hours, and it'll all be on ESPN two. Or if they pick it up halfway during the day, we'll have seven hours on Bassmaster and you know, and whatnot. So, I'm ex- I'm excited because no breaks, no ba- no breaks, baby. I'm already exhausted at the end of the week because I give it my all on live and. Uh, it'll be even more fun not having a break, but I do like a bathroom break. And those ESPN2 commercials are like two, two and a half minutes. So we got to hustle <laughs> when we do that. Yeah. Cause you guys don't do your, you don't get the extended live breaks that you would. Um, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. We normally have like a, we'll, we'll build in a six to eight minute commercial just to have a long one every three hours. And for ESPN2, it's, we keep in the head in the game, which is fun because we don't miss much. We don't miss any action. We don't have to replay a lot of action. We're just live in the moment. And that was, basically that midday portion right before we went to break and then through the break and the last three hours was when Buddy Gross made his run. So I'm excited to go. We always have so many things that happen on live mix for that hour in the middle of the day that we're not live. Uh, we we're live on Facebook, obviously, me and Stooch for, for 15 minutes or so. But to be live the whole time, we're going to have plenty of action. People aren't going to be like, oh, you're going to – that's a tough time of day. There's somebody – the leaderboard's flipping at that point. And with smallmouth, it's going to be fun. Yeah, the Northern Swing, swing, there's
0: not going to be no short – Fish to be, uh, to catch. It is, you know, this bass is not in it alone. I mean, like, MLS had a 9 a.m. tournament soccer game the other day, and they had a couple players test positive, and that game fell through 30 minutes before kickoff. So, like, ESPN is totally, I think, understanding that they're rolling with the punches just like everybody else. So, that's why they're Um,
1: the worldwide leader in sports for sure.
0: Connor says, What do you think of the Guggen squad? I think the Guggen squad is great for getting more eyeballs on fishing and getting more kids involved in fishing. And I think it's up to, uh, you know, people like bass and people that, you know, create different kinds of content to get them to, uh, you know, take the next step. And so like be there, like when they want to get more serious and learn more about fast fishing and, and take it to the next level, there's, those are all the steps out there to, you know, to make it a lifetime passion versus just a kind of a fishing entertainment, you know, entry level. So I don't know. What are your
1: thoughts? Anything else? I love Tyler's real fishing. I'll just say that yeah. I love Tyler. Yeah, not like part part of yeah. he's, not, he's not a part of the good Googling squad, but there are some really good YouTubers out there that are, that are good people and good teachers and they, they just love the sport. And so a lot of young people coming into the YouTube game that are, um, you know, making a name for themselves. There's a kid that I met on TikTok. I was watching some fishing, you know, you just scroll on TikTok, and it's, and it's everything. It's a mixture of, Call of duty clips for me and, Fishing related content. I saw this dude. I was like, he posted one day. He's like, I'm gonna be at the like you follow Bassmaster Lee event. I was like, let's go. So I like DM'd him, and and he's he's trying to make it big on YouTube as well. And I think there's a lot of bright people on YouTube, and it's a it's really motivating elite series pros to be better there. But I'd say if you haven't checked out Tyler's Real Fishing, I would do that for sure. He's a good one, and he's one of my one of my close friends that uh, does does his channel the right way for sure there's some other people as well i'm just not uh thinking of at the moment but Noah, oh i'll kick in their bass tv is a good one as well i've known noah since he was a high school angler what's good about tyler and noah on youtube is that they fish ponds they fish lakes they fished in college they did college tournaments and they did well in those uh they do fun fishing trips they do teaching moments they do goofy stuff but they've got a well-rounded background tournaments teaching fun and they're young and they're, they're willing to travel around and have a good time and, and collaborate with people so those are two good ones if you don't know kicking their bass tv and uh tyler the fishing absolutely
0: cool so what, should we should we dig in and talk some specifics yeah uh, whatever yeah let's uh, let's you know we can kind of roll from there let's uh uh is a yeah. good one too they're they're older Effect. when they talk about something Tackle Warehouse usually is out of it in a day or two.
1: So there's like they, yeah. they're, they're influencer. It's like Bass Live, but on YouTube. Like anytime somebody yeah. catches Bass Live, it's gone immediately.
0: So I don't have a good way to like hide my picks because my column's not up yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you can
1: kind of see that, yeah. Uh, if you want me to, I can pull a couple up
0: questions here. About uh, I think uh, Lunkers was asking about Bill Weidler for bucket E. What are your thoughts on uh, Mr. Weidler for bucket E? If you're trying to uh go for a low percentage guy, what are your thoughts?
1: Man, I am all about fighting the percentages. Uh, I do not like picking guys that have a high percentage, and I gotta bite the bullet this time and do it at a certain. Yeah. Time. But man, Bucket E is is interesting. Uh, Bill Weidler is in Bucket E. You got literally seventy percent of the ownership between two guys, Chris Johnston and Greg De Palma, Rightfully so. We mentioned Greg earlier. He got a top ten last year. Chris Johnston obviously uh, almost won the event last year. Got second. He's from Canada, has a lot of experience there. He's a good one. Brian Snowden, he is he's at four and a half percent. People might not know who that is. Brian Snowden's been on the elite series since its inception. He's at four and a half percent right there. Uh he made the top ten last year. People forget yeah. he fished for smallmouth all three days, and then he went and fished for yeah. large two around those islands. And I'm
0: pretty sure he's had a couple high finishes. I don't remember yeah. all his steps, but he's done better than he. On average, he's done pretty well at the St. Lawrence, and he's pretty much fished every Elite Series
1: St. Lawrence event, right? So. Uh, yes, he has, and I'll say I get to brag about it a little bit. I picked him last year, I think, on my fantasy team, and he people were like, what? And a Missouri angler, and he proved me right. So, yes, he does have a good track record here, and that's one thing I looked up when you look at uh, some of these guys is they might not seem like they fit the bill. A Bernie Schultz, a Bill Lowe, all yeah. these guys. Schultz is from Florida. Oh. From Ohio and Indiana, those guys literally aren't supposed to catch them in the St. Lawrence, but they find a way to mix in what they like to do or at least being shallow and catching them. And they always, one of them always is in the top 20, if not both of them. Yeah. So I think to me,
0: it's really hard to go against Chris Johnson here, considering that he just barely missed the 50 cut after a combination of fiascos of boat problems and electronic mistakes and resetting the clocks. And he almost still made the top 50 and had he not had those, I think he would have been in contention to win uh, last year. Like he's still was, under- uh, his and throwing his
1: back. Like, I don't know. It's really hard to pick against him. Yeah. Chris, Chris did almost win it. Corey was the one who had all that issue. And yes, he, 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 he yes. Yeah. Those guys, I mean, that's just—we mentioned it off the top. The brothers' deal, like that's that's going to be very tough. But yeah, Chris Johnston at fifty-four point four percent—I hate picking guys that high. That's terrible, but I'm picking him. He's my but pick. On the tonight, if you miss, then you're also getting buried by fifty percent of the
0: field. <laughs> yeah,
1: you you get to well, you're you're with you're in the same boat as those fifty-four percent. So I'll take that risk because. You're never going to get a shot at Chris Johnson in right. Bucket E going into the St. Lawrence River ever again. He's, he's normally in Bucket A, B, C. You know, last year he was in Bucket A because he had done so well at the St. Johns and whatnot. He was in the AOI contention. So a lot of those heavy hitters that are good on smallmouth were in the top 10. So he was in Bucket A. This year being Bucket E, he's got a tough start to his season. you got to go with him there. Greg DePalma is a good one, 15%. Um, I'll throw out – I said Bernie Schultz at 1%. He's a good one for it. Rick Klund's done well occasionally there, uh, mm-hmm. throwing banner bait and whatnot. He'll be one to watch. But otherwise, it's a lot of southern boys, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Louisiana, Texas, North Carolina, Louisiana, Alabama. There's a lot of southern guys, and it's too risky at less than a percent on them. you got to know that they're going to catch them uh, yeah. from being their buddy or something, and they're like, I'm on them to, to take that. Uh, risk Bernie really likes to go north, though, doesn't he? When he does well, he likes to go shallow. He's gone. He's gone south of okay. takeoff um towards the lake. Some, but it's not. It's not nearly as far. No, but north does have a lot of good shallow fishing, like you mentioned. Even Steve Kennedy was throwing a swim bait for smallmouth north of Waddington's takeoff. So it would be a ride for sure. Um But it'll get. It's a calmer ride. You're not going you're not going into where all the water in the world funnels to at the mouth of the river, you're going away from it. So if it does get rough one day, that might be the safe play. If you're going to make a 50 minute run, I'd rather make it away from the lake than to the lake. Even though going with waves is terrible. Uh, I think you can avoid it there. Cause you're going with the current and the waves. It's not like the current waves are smashing. They're going with it with both of them.
0: Yeah. I, I think Honestly, if you really feel like you need to fight the percentages, I think Snowden is the smart pick here. Uh, some of the other ones are okay, but I think they're they're all fairly risky when it compares to Chris Johnson. And, and these guys can do well and get you good bucket E points, but I really think that, you know, you have a chance to get a guy that's almost guaranteed to in connection to the win as long as there's not a freak accident or something goofy again. Sure. Uh, um that's why there. So yes, large a couple questions here. Yes, largemouth will play a little bit for checks. Somebody will probably sneak into the top ten on largemouth, but nobody's gonna win. Uh Connor, we're gonna talk about Seth in a minute. Uh yeah. I think the reason Welcher sounds like he's jacked up energy because he probably is jacked up on energy drinks.
1: Um He's <laughs> a good one on YouTube as well. I wasn't gonna classify him as a YouTuber because he's an Late Series Pro, but he's a great one on YouTube as well. He's a good teacher, but Welcher's a the only thing we don't know about the kid is how he does with smallmouth. And this is right. going to really tell you a lot. He can go find some largemouth and do something at Champlain for sure. If he's going to go out there and drop shot on Lake Ontario, we may see uh, a little bit of a learning curve for him right there. But um, I think that I think Welcher is going to be a solid pick in the fall for uh, Santee, Chickamauga, and Fork. I think he'll be one for sure to watch there. This It's the question. You might have to not pick Kyle Welcher this time. He'll be in Bucket A. You might not pick him this time because uh, the uncertainty. He's he's never been up there in the Great Lakes and done that stuff really. So, and if he has, it's very limited. Yeah, risky.
0: It may it could pay off. I mean, uh, I think Bill has a good question. Interesting thing. He said, if you have five guys to pick, watch live in New York. Let's say on uh, on the St. Lawrence. And I guess from a personal standpoint, if you could watch five guys, not. Not necessarily, maybe which five guys are best for live, but which five guys would Ronnie want to watch to learn from or something from that perspective?
1: The Johnston brothers. There's two. Got to pick them because they're going to produce as well. And if they're not, they're going to run around till they do produce. You know, they're going to know enough spots. Uh, It's hard to beat a fighter, Zaldane Polinik. It's hard to beat that. But I like guys like Clifford Perch. I think he's a really smart guy. I think Bill Lowen's a good teacher on a way to approach the St. Lawrence and New York fishing a little differently than just drop shot or drifting. Um, he'll be one uh, to to consider. Man, um, I'd like to, I'd like to see some of the boys squirm. Some of the guys who are maybe not, not as comfortable up there. I'd like to watch them have two or three guys, three or four guys that are really comfortable up there and one or two that aren't to see how they adjust and figure it out on the fly. Sometimes people like to watch live just to, to catch them, to see them who catches them. I like to watch live sometimes because I really get to learn what anglers act like when they get punched in the mouth or when they're trying to learn uh, or it's their weakness in are and they're on live. I think that that's a good time for them to, they verbally go through the motions and they're like, okay, my first three spots haven't worked and they're all in 15 feet of water. I'm going to go try eight feet of water and then I'll go out to 30 feet of water. And when they get to eight feet, they don't see a bass and they're like, okay, I'm going to 30. And then they catch them and you're like, I got to watch that dude mentally figure it out and then, and then learn it, you know?
0: Yeah. I think I'm pretty much on board with what you said with like a and the Johnsons. I think the other interesting thing would be see like somebody like Bill Lowen and somebody like Schultz that tend to do really well up there. They don't tend to always get on camera because they're usually kind of lurking just below the line and they kind of just make it in the top 10. I'd like to see, cause I'm guessing they're doing it a little different. And it'd be interesting to see how they're doing it. Uh, and I think that would
1: put a different lens on it. And I'd like to see that. I so. think a, a Brandon Lester too. We got to watch a little bit of it, yeah. but he's gone up there before and done well. And he's fished like bridges and like current breaks like that. Like you would on the Tennessee river, like bridges yeah. are big on those lakes. And it's like, he almost took his Southern knowledge and went up there and, and made it right. He finds a pinch point between an Island and a point and he, and he catches fish off of it. I think that's a good way to translate guys who've never fished for smallmouth of, well, that's – I'm pretty close to the bank. I'm not out in the middle of this giant lake where I can't see the land on each side. That's a place that I can still catch 20 pounds of smallmouth. That's cool. You know, that kind of thing. I think that's what really breaks down the learning barriers. if you see someone doing something you're familiar with and they're not extremely deep or extremely shallow, you can learn from them. We're, we both agree. Chris Johnson, right, for Bucket D. Yep, yep. Are you also on the Johnson train for Bucket D? Really have to be. I really have to be. I. It's hard, man. I Like – 50 percent 49.1 ownership that is brutally tough but like i said that could go up as we go into next oh week. yeah exactly people hadn't filled their team yet and and so it could go up for sure but i i don't feel like i'm ever insecure with those two guys they have a shot to win and that's all you want from your fantasy pick is to have a shot to win you know that they have a really good knowledge base there and um you don't want to not be on that train if they both get in the top 10 and you have 50% of the fishing world picking them, and you're not. That's tough. You'd have to really – your guy would have to beat them, not just do as good as them. Because if, if my guy that I picked that's 1% finishes three spots lower than them, you're losing points to half the field just by you know whatever. Or if your guy doesn't make the cut, and that's crucial, It's really don't bomb fantasy fishing. You want to find a way to do really great in fantasy fishing, but you don't want to bomb it by picking someone that's low percentage and getting owned by a guy that's doing the percentage like 50%. So in that bucket, I mean, Steve Kennedy's at 6%. Garrett Paquette from Michigan's at 8%. uh, Lee Livesey's at 19%. Those are the other guys that are, you know, a decent percentage other than 50%. So I don't know. I'd be interested to see how Lee does. He did, uh, you know, he's been on that swing last year as a rookie. Uh, on the elites and, and managed just fine, finishing in the top fifteen in points. So he obviously did well enough there to survive. But it, it will be interesting. I don't know how Kennedy would do. I don't, to be honest. I love the man. If he called me right now, I'd answer it and have a good time with him. But I do not trust him in fantasy fishing anymore. He is a he's a winner go home, and I can't deal. I can't deal with that. That's scary. He's been very Jekyll and Hyde on the Saint Lawrence. At sixth, sixtieth, fifteenth, seventieth,
0: like he's. He could win it, and he could finish 90th. And he was like it's,
1: four bass it's, it's a tournament it could be that way. <laughs> so, like, so he was like one of the locals that you fall, and he caught four bass or something like that. It was yeah. it blew my mind. I was like, no way, his bass tracks right. Yep, he had one fish and three fish or something. I was like, that's crazy.
0: It's really hard for me to even come up with a backup in this one. Like in Bucket E, I could talk myself into a couple people, but this one, I I can't. Um,
1: yeah, I, uh, usually, twenty one to
0: twenty
1: two pounds a day.
0: On histor- historically is what it takes on the St. Lawrence,
1: right? Um, yeah, I'm reading that. Um, how many pounds a day? Yeah, I think it was 88 for Polinic, uh, which was 22 a day, with him having a two-pound penalty. He had a two-pound penalty in that event, so it would have been a little bit more than 22 a day because uh, he would have 90 pounds. And then we've had a 95, and we've had a 97. So, yeah okay. that'll be something Girl, I want go to
0: know. more August like, events? Weren't they more August when we had a little bit bigger weights
1: or not? We've had them every single week from the middle of July to the middle of August. Yes, we've had like I think we've had five events like Evers when he won was like mid-July. When Van Damme won, it was like, you know, early August. When Polnick won, it was late August. You know, it's it's been all those. And then I think when Bertrand won. It was uh, meshed in between last week of July, and so this one's in that same time frame of this five or six week span. And so there, it what's weird is you can't think about what has the fishery been doing for the last three or four weeks for when it comes to approaching there. You have to see what the St. Lawrence was doing six months ago. If the ice came off quicker in places, or if the water went up, or if the water was higher last year. Excuse me. Last year, the water was so high the dam was iffy getting through. You had to no wake, and you couldn't be near the land. Uh, you had to be 150 yards off the land so that you didn't like create too much of a wake for the natural islands. And so there's a lot of different factors that that apply, not just water temperature. It's going to be uh, a post spawn deal, but how post spawn is it? That's the big deal. Yeah, yeah,
0: lunkers. I mean, if if you're looking for somebody that not a Johnson, Lilo City is a decent pick um i just don't know if you mentioned all keith combs has always done well yep he's a good pick he's not one of these buckets yeah we have uh, the bucket so we'll be talking about zaldane shortly so uh let's talk about uh bucket c uh that's where paulineck is zaldane fighter so this is where it starts to get juicy you got gussie you got last year's winner you got hunter shyrock so like this is where like uh, you definitely more debate and conversation with Cliff Perch. Uh, Austin Felix is a northern guy with smallmouth. He doesn't have necessarily a track record here, but he's an interesting person to think about.
1: Brian Schmidt. Uh,
0: yeah, Brian Schmidt. I mean, he knows current. He does well. Uh, so there's a lot of guys to think about in bucket That's To me, it's a, a much better conversation, an interesting conversation when you start to get into these
1: top buckets. I'm counting up 8, 9, 10. Uh, there's about 15 guys, 16, maybe maybe a little bit more. It's it might be closer to it's like 19 guys per bucket, and there are about 11 that you could honestly consider and do just fine in this event. It's going to be this is going to be where you're splitting hairs, and someone who finishes third is going to help you beat somebody who had a team with a guy who finishes sixth or fifth in it. Um, 39 percent in change for fighter, 24 percent for Zaldane. Uh, you've got. Then you've got uh, 10% for Gussie, 13% for Polinick. A lot of guys are getting disrespected because they're lower than 5%, but that's because there are some really good anglers in this bucket. Like I said, 11 guys that you could really consider. And I'm going to go with a guy that's less than 1%. I mentioned him earlier, but Clifford Perch, um, he was in that top 10 when they had Ontario the first time in play. He wasn't in Ontario, but in 2013, he had a top 10. I don't think he has had a bad event. I might be wrong. I might click it right now and just kind of scroll and see. I think he's been in the cut and done well uh, every time we've been there. He's great with electronics. He's great with finesse fishing. Great with deep water. And purchased a rock solid pick for less than had one. Water,
0: two hiccups, but I don't know the history. If it could have been mechanical, it could have been. You know, you never know with big water. It necessarily he might have caught him and maybe just didn't make it back or had a late penalty or. I don't know, something weird. But, yeah, overall, yeah, I would say 80%, 90% of the tournaments up there, he's done really well for sure. Yeah, definitely.
1: What did he have? He had uh, – what did he have last year? He was like 50th last year, 56th with 32. So his his worst was two 16-pound bags on average, um, and that was middle of the pack – or a little bit lower than mid-pack last year. Um, but, yeah, I think he's one that's just underrated, and I think that he is going to win a Bassmaster Elite Series event very soon. And uh, it's got to be, I think it's got to be one of these events, one of these smallmouth type deep water clear um finesse fishing. Oriented.
0: Yeah. Um, so Brock's asking about kind <laughs> of rewind like the Menendez last minute. I don't think there's any way to get any makeup. Just like if uh, an NFL player pulls a hammy and warm ups, you're just you're kind of stuck. So I think that's the way it works in fantasy fishing, too. <laughs>
1: That is. If, if a guy is day-to-day or a guy is uh, even normal guy, guy has no injury designation on fantasy football. He could be a scratch that day. You know, and Matthew Berry, if you've seen him on Twitter, Matthew Berry is hating on my Arizona Cardinals because they gave David Johnson one carry in a game. And then Chase Edmonds had 160 yards rushing and David Johnson never touched the ball again after the first play of the game. So he started David Johnson and, and got... Point one or whatever he got on that carry so yeah that's thanks for menendez and an update on him i'm pretty sure unless something miraculous happened he will not fish the st lawrence event uh i have a i i am supposed to talk to him about that tomorrow You'll Probably be able to see that on facebook as well um our our interview with him but menendez uh, with that back injury at lake ufala um he actually did he said he was casting a big crankbait and he just like tweaked it the wrong way. It's looks like a baseball player yeah. shooting and missing and or I think, not a cast, I think it was a hook set. I think he threw a long cast out yeah. and a hook set and, and hurt his back and it's one of those deals with the disc deal and he said to me it wasn't a disc deal like on the back of his back it was like on the front of his spine so like behind your stomach you know behind your chest so you can't really fix that other than tightening your core and doing all that stuff and he said he could barely get out of a golf net the other day. So I don't see him tackling the Great Lakes with a boat. But so don't pick Mark Winenez this time. He might not be on the roster to pick, but don't pick him.
0: And I guess just to be buyer beware, like we're, you're doing testing the night before the date, like. No, the night before practice. Like, you're gonna get, like the results could come in. Like there could be or somebody could get sick, like now more than ever. Somebody could be last minute drop because of injuries, sickness, all kinds of things. So uh, they could get home and say, little Susie, uh, my mom, right? Like, like this is a, a scary time in fantasy sports, no matter what fantasy sport you're playing. Like, like uh, things can go bad.
1: Uh, Lisa Lucas.
0: Lee say he's okay. He's an okay pick. He's done okay here. Bill Wyler, is he good with Slomoff? I don't. I don't know. He, he fished last year. I don't remember how he did. Um, but he, he doesn't
1: stand out to me as a tall work, small ball fisherman. <laughs> not, not in the bucket, too. And that's the thing. That's no, no disrespect to any specific angler. But oftentimes, whether they're a good pick or not is depending on who else is in the bucket with them. And when you have the Johnston brothers in that bucket, it's hard to pick against them. So there's going to be a lot of low percentage guys that have a shot to shine. And someone's going to go out on a limb because they're – their favorite angler and they're going to pick them and they're going to reward them greatly. But yeah, to bank on it, gun to your gun to your head. Ah, it's hard to pick somebody that, that you're unsure about, especially when it's going to be 85 to hundred pounds of the St. Lawrence. Just here's, here's what ask
0: yourself, even though this is a free game, if you had to put 50 bucks on it, who would you pick? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so for me, like you said, you're going Cliff Perch. I think that's a good pick. I think I might even mention him in my uh, my article. Um, I think, you know, Seth, a solid pick here. Zaldane's a solid pick here. I just think the value at being just like a third to half their percentage, it's hard to pass up Polnick He's had several top tens in here when he's fished the Elite Series. Uh, most of them have come where we're moving the tournament to, either at the mouth of the lake or in the lake. So I think this at 13%, even at a marginally high percentage, that's just too good for me to pass up. So,
1: that's a good one. I'm surprised he's only uh, at
0: 13%. He, he probably will cry him a little bit, uh, but uh, I still think, you know, with with Seth and Chris uh, being the more current Elite Series stars and uh, Nick taking a season or two off, uh, I think people have forgotten what a talented angler and what a good smallmouth angler is, and I think we'll be reminded very uh, uh, quickly this week. So
1: maybe even the first couple hours of day one,
0: yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a live camera on Palnick on day
1: one. Well, I know who we're live with and I'm not going to give up the goods right now, but
0: even if you didn't
1: know, I bet you wouldn't be shocked. So, well, yeah, no, no. If, if we don't see something of him, uh, I know Kyle, his cameraman is going to be around as well, documenting it. That'll be, a worth, that'll be worthwhile watching on his BMP, uh, video series on YouTube. Yeah. And that's a good point. Like,
0: if you want to see what the St. Lawrence looks like before live, like a, you can go back and rewatch Bassmaster from the last couple of seasons, but you could also go back a couple of years and watch some of Brandon politics series and see some of that stuff. And there's a lot of good content out there.
1: Yeah. There was, one um, time I think he had like, he had like 12 pounds or something on day yeah. one of maybe, maybe it was, like, maybe it was the year Van Damme one, maybe 2017 or 2016. I can't remember. I think it was 2017. When Van Dam, won, he had like 11 or 12 pounds on day one, Polonick did. And then he's like, I tried to fish around and do stuff, but heck with it. I'm going straight to the mouth of the lake as far as I can go to the off limits. I'm going to go touch that off limits barrier and I'm going to fish down there. Running like 25, 26, 24, and ended up like finishing third after having like 11 pounds on day one. So Polenik, uh has won. He's also played catch up very well and had a shot win in another one for sure.
0: Yeah. And like, there is a chance that there's always the conversation: Will we hit a hundred pounds? Could it happen? And it could happen. It's a low percentage, but it could happen for
1: sure. If, if it's going to happen, we may see it this year with the Saint Clair and the Saint Lawrence yeah. events. Those two events last year, fighter had seventy-seven pounds and change with three days. Uh, if, if he would have gone out on day four, I'd have bet one hundred and fifty bucks that he was going to catch twenty-two pounds and, and make a hundred. But um, Saint Lawrence is always a place. It's really a race. Who's going to be the first smallmouth? All only smallmouth. Twenty fish, hundred pound event. Um, man, I don't want. To, I didn't pick it with my tiebreaker weight. I picked just short of it, but I'm not superstitious. But I picked just short of it because it hasn't happened yet, and I'd rather be wrong by going low than picking a hundred and two pounds and it not making it. So I got it close, but I'd love to see that day. It'd be really. It'd be a really special time for the sport to have a twenty fish. A hundred pounds for small mill.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's just crazy that you think like this sidetrack, but Seth has fished he's won two AOI tournaments. And both of those tournaments, if they've been four day, he would have probably crushed a hundred pounds in both of them. Like it would have been like 100 or
1: hundred and like six or like something stupid. Like I think he had seventy-five and change or seventy six at Malax, and then he had seventy-seven change at St. Clair. Those two three day those two different three day events we just got to t- Lohan, he was kind of coasting in like he was like he knew he Coast was in. like inviting people to come fish with him yeah yeah sleeping uh, in packs that was fun so
0: bucket b uh this is where i kind of uh kind of went a little down lower percentage kind of like you did uh i went with bill lowen because like i felt like there was a lot of like very solid guys but nobody really jumped out i mean there wasn't a a Polonek, a, a fighter, uh, a Johnston, uh, you know, like, you know, there's some guys that are very talented in here, but there wasn't like a bunch of small gurus in B. And I went back and looked and Bill Lowen has been very solid on the St. Lawrence river. And I don't think he's ever not caught a 10,000 or better check on the St. Lawrence when I went back and looked. Um, so uh, that's why I went with him. And that's what, you know, cause I took a lot of shock in the lower buckets and I wanted to go a little bit off the radar. And I felt really good about that. I don't know. What are your
1: thoughts on Bucket B? Um, low is a good one. He'll be uh, he'll be properly rated after this uh, after this live stream. People will pick him because he's low, and then he'll be back up to the other picks uh, percentage wise. But no, I I picked Hank Cherry, uh, which is one of those risky ones. He's got that elbow deal. You never know. He could go on a jerk bait and done day one. You just don't know. Um, but he's been so close to having just fantastic events there but losing fish on a bait or losing them on a spinning rod or um there was a a year where if you hook the fish outside the mouth you know that salmon rule that really screwed him up and he had to throw it back uh so i i like uh i like hank cherry uh for bucket b um, I think he gets a little bit of revenge on it this year. I think that a lot of areas that he likes to fish had a lot more anglers near them, and this year uh-huh. with change and takeoff, he might not have as much company, and he might be able to lose fish and still have plenty of fish at his disposal to weigh in twenty pounds. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Fraser definitely. In, but I think we did talk about
0: he fished Canadian waters last year, right? So he's got to, he's got to refine some stuff, and I know he kind of banked on that area for a couple years. Um, but obviously he's yeah, talented you he can didn't really talk about Gussie, but I do think he would he's a solid option, especially if you're looking for that lower percentage and C. There's just C is really murderer's row of like smallmouth guys uh, for the Saint Lawrence and it's tough to, to single anybody out in that. that's yeah, um, pretty bucket okay
1: that you separate yourself because like I said, there's like a ten or eleven guys that you can pick. There you can have a lot of different variety in there. I guarantee you after we have a couple days of St. Lawrence under our belts, I can look at the fantasy fishing leaderboard, and there'll be a lot of similar picks, and bucket C will probably vary for you know five of the top ten, they'll have a different guy there. Yeah. So Lunker says he's got Caleb Supperall, which is a pretty low percentage pick. Uh it'd
0: be interesting to see. You know, is a guy like Caleb gonna go make the best of the largemouth? Because that's clearly where his comfort zone is, or is he gonna, you know, fish for shallow smallies? Or I mean, like when he made the Elite Series, he did it on Hartwell fishing for spots, which is not all that different than fishing for smallies. So, you know, any of these guys can, can do it. So, uh, it's, you know,
1: definitely could be a good pick. Um, yeah, Summerall is an interesting one. He, he definitely learned more about smallmouth last year in our swing. And I yep. think it's really a wild card. You, It's hard to bank off the last four years of fantasy fishing at the St. Lawrence because the lake hasn't been in place. So some of these guys who caught them really good, uh, you know, the guys who got them really good might've done it in the river and they might not even touch the river this year other than for takeoff and yeah. the lake. So that, that's another twist in this. Yeah. I think this really sets up. <laughs> I love that, for the that.
0: Have the history uh, and have seen a lot of the river over the years. Uh, so I, I like looking at the guys for this year that have had been there four, five, six, eight times. I think that's going to serve them well with the new playing field this year. So,
1: um, why don't you explain why you love the Arizona Cardinals? It seems like a good time. So I like the Arizona Cardinals because back in 2006 or something like that, they got Kurt Warner, and I loved his story. They also got Edron James, and they paired those two up with Larry Fitzgerald and Anquan Bolden. They had some good guys on defense like Darnell Doggett, Calais Campbell. They had Adrian Wilson, Carlos Dansby. They had they had you know Antrell Roll, Patrick Peterson, some of those guys – have been with the team for a while now, and I liked them a lot. And the division – I'm from North Carolina, and I'm not a Panthers fan at all. So I just like that team. They're an underdog. No one really liked – they disrespected the division. That was when 8-8 and 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 9-7 were good records. And then they made the Super Bowl. They almost beat the Steelers with, dang, Santonio Holmes' extra-long toe right there touching in. And that 100-yard pick-six interception by uh, James Harrison – Brutal way to lose the Super Bowl, but I love them since then, and then they got better. The division got better, and it takes 13-3 and three to win the division now every single year almost, and they've won it a couple times. They always have the Seahawks number. They compete with the nine, even when they're good and the, and the Cardinals are bad, and then this year uh, they surprised me a little bit. Kyler Murray was better than I thought. I actually was not happy with the pick, and it actually was a good pick for, for based on who I wanted them to pick, and uh, Chandler Jones is a beast, uh, so I try to go to a Cardinals game every year, but I'm excited their rebuild might be a lot quicker than everybody thought. But they should compete this year. They should they should have a shot to maybe get a wild card. But we could have three teams from the NFC West make it.
0: Sure, cool. All
1: right.
0: So Lunker says he's got Lester for A. So do I. Uh, he's a decent, solid percentage at you know nine. He's gonna be right around nine ten percent. Um, I looked hard at. I kind of thought about picking Canterbury. He did really well last year. He's leading ALI. Obviously, he's probably going to have to find some new water again, but, you know, obviously he can. Uh, You know, he did it last year. There's no reason he can't find new water again this year. Uh, I think we talked about Keith Combs being really good on smallies in this venue. Um, Anybody – who are you picking, and who do you
1: want to highlight in uh, bucket A? Well, I wanted to, uh, real quick, and not to derail the show, Shadow Bassin commented, fighter went largemouth fishing towards Messina one year. I was shocked. He had the worst year or the worst the worst day of smallmouth fishing of his life. He foul hooked some on the bed after he thought, and, and he just went and caught a limit real quick, but then he pulled them out with smallmouth. So he didn't purposely go largemouth fishing. He just he couldn't do anything right with smallmouth. Losing them, they followed him to the boat, foul hooking them, breaking them off. So he had to just survive. but." Bucket A, uh, I've got Chad Pipkin. Uh, he's a he's a St. Clair Lake Erie uh, type guy, and so I feel with uh, Ontario setting up as a, a commercial fishery, I think he's going to be one that's going to know in wide open rain where to go, where to look. He's great with his electronics. Um, and I think that he's gonna have a really, really good shot to shine in bucket A and at four and a half percent, I'll take that all day to the bank and back. Uh Canterbury nineteen percent. It's hard to say it's risky because he's uh on such a hot streak until he doesn't catch him. That's you can't predict when he's not gonna catch him. It's basically when he doesn't catch him. You're like, Oh, he didn't catch him this week. Um, yeah. he's been catching that good. But last year was really his first big time year in the St. Lawrence and Fishing it and not going to say it was luck or anything like that, but like it worked out well for him. He adapted very well. So it's almost like what he learned last year is good, but it's going to be different this year. So he's going to have to get used to that. I think that Pipkins is excited. He's got a positive mental attitude going towards this. He'll be a good one. Jamie Hartman's going to be one to watch too. 38%, though. Uh, that's a tough, tough, tough percentage to deal with. I like Lester at nine. Um, and then you got some guys, a Drew Cook. Uh, who is underrated at being an offshore fisherman? He can he can catch them out there as well. Um, Matt Airy. If Canterbury is nineteen percent, why is Matt Airy at two percent? They work together so well. He actually uh-huh. last year that allowed Canterbury to catch a few extra fish before before Airy got eliminated. He helped out Canterbury, his roommate, uh, before he got eliminated, and Canterbury used some of that on the final day. Uh, So they work well together. So if you're going to put Canterbury at 19%, you might as well put Matt Ayer at 19%. You know, he should be up there just as high as as Canterbury is. Yeah,
0: I I guess I kind of like your logic on Pipkins. I didn't think about it because I just kind of looked at this like Pipkins has done okay, but he's definitely stubbed his toe on the St. Lawrence. But I didn't think like giving him Ontario probably definitely rises his stock quite a bit. And I didn't really think about that. So that's an interesting angle for sure. So. That's fine.
1: I don't want anybody else to think about that. Y'all don't pick Pipkins. He's not going to do well. I promise.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, a lot of talented anglers, just not a lot of like, uh, no, I mean, Hartman, you know, obviously from that area, he's done okay. I think he was like 25th or 21st or something last year. Um, so, I mean, he's probably a safe pick. Uh, it kind of depends on what you do with the rest of your buckets. Uh, I mean, Cruz is definitely capable of catching them. Keith Combs. I uh, had a few top 10s on uh, St.
1: Lawrence. So there's a lot of good
0: options here for sure. So,
1: Yeah, I think that it'll be interesting to see how a Buddy Gross does in his first trip there. So it'd be interesting to see how Brandon Cobb does. Brandon Cobb went up to the St. Lawrence last year and said he did some dumb stuff. And I said, what do you mean? Right. Dumb? And he said, I already won two Elite Series events. So I was just trying to win all of them. And I just crash and burned and not do well. So... It depends on where you're doing in the points race, how conservative or how willing you are to risk it. This year, with this sports not being near the end of the year, being the third event, people are going fishing for points instead of for winning. You know, and it's gonna they're gonna want to play conservative and not trying to make up points at the end of the year. They're just trying to hold steady. Um, and, and I think that's gonna be a factor in it. Shane hewitt at 4 percent, not even one percent. He he had a shot to win that event last year too. Um, After three days, I think he finished like 12th, so he barely missed the cup. Right there with Chris Johnston, sharing water, and Chris Johnston was the leader. He was in the top five. So it depends on how – I remember – Really. Watching him do. I feel like – I remember if he was throwing a jerkbait, he was having like a bunch of follows,
0: and they weren't eating it. I don't remember what it was, but there was something on live where he was like not converting, but he was seeing them (coughs) for sure. Good old old Marabu. Yeah solid rock. He's got Lester Mueller, Micah, Frazier, Demarian, and Johnson. I think that's decent. I will caution you. Paul Mueller seems like he should do well, but his track record hasn't been good on the St. Lawrence, but maybe this venue change will serve him well. I mean, he's definitely has all the skills and the tools and the knowledge to do well. He just hasn't necessarily put it together in those tournaments. Uh, Lester, oh, small ball oh. guy from Tennessee. Oh, Go ahead. Sorry.
1: No, I was going to say, I, I cut you off, my bad. Uh, with Mueller, I think he's more of an open water smallmouth guy rather than a river small smallmouth guy. I remember the St. Lawrence River, it is like a, a normal kind of river. You gotta you gotta know how current sets up fish, to know how to drift it, to know how to fight it, whatever. Um, but I always see Mueller as more of like a drop down smallmouth, and yeah. I'd be amazed you get maybe five to 10 miles away from the mouth of St. Lawrence out on Ontario. And the current is not nearly as strong, but because that giant lake funnels down to the St. Lawrence, the current is so swift. It's like it's for sure 100% the river. When you get out a little bit, it's more like a lake. So he can drop shot vertically. He can do some of those rock pile things where it's not just drifting aimlessly. You know how many guys probably drifted, and drifted over a hundred thousand dollars, and they were they were fifteen feet to the right or to the left, and they didn't catch the five pounders. They caught three and a halfs out there on the rock piles. It's much easier to tell what size they are when you catch one. It's you spot lock and you just keep dropping down.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, Lester definitely understands Tennessee smallmouth. They're not exactly the same. I wouldn't say a smallmouth is a smallmouth in this case. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Thanks, guys. Uh, Lester, Summerall, Gussie, say, Widler, definitely could work. Um, there's some some high risk, high reward guys there. I like the. I like,
1: yeah, I like the Lester and Gussie pick. Uh, the other ones are always just you know you never know, but I think that Livesay is gonna try to just have a, a solid event because he's not ex- he's not happy being in bucket D down in the points race. He just wanted to have a solid event and keep building and keep building, knowing that he can bank on Fork being the last event. He can nail it out of the park and solidify a classic berth right there. Um, he's just he's just wanting to not lose as many points as possible in these next couple of probably. probably.
0: Yeah. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit. What are maybe some of your thoughts on Champlain and St. Clair coming up?
1: Man, I, uh, I don't want to burn an Austin Felix pick here at the St. Lawrence because I'm going to use that at Champlain, um, probably. So there's – I think Champlain's going to be interesting because Canada not in play, never has been in play in, in opens or elites. Uh, there's part of uh, Missiquoy Bay on the Vermont side that at the, at the northernmost point is Canada, and then also on the main drag of Champlain is Canada. So I don't know about – I don't know about um, – the guys, largemouth, smallmouth, uh, Mysticoy is great for largemouth. So is Ticonderoga. I don't feel like many people have to run to Ticonderoga to catch largemouth because Mysticoy is so much closer. So largemouth will factor at Champlain. Um, I feel feel like you could be a fifteen fifteen smallmouth five largemouth type of tournament for twenty for twenty fish. You know, something like that. Um, wolf oil and stuff, fighter like almost winning on that. We saw top water with Kelly J and Jacob Wheeler and whatnot. Then we had Aaron Lawrence obviously win it coming way back from 19th because it was a shortened event the last time we were at Champlain. But Brian Schmidt, Austin Felix, those are two of my favorite picks, and they're in the same bucket for the St. Lawrence. So I need one of them to switch it up and not be in the same bucket next time so I can pick both of them. But Champlain's an interesting one um, just because there is a lot of factors. The inland seas right there, there's a bunch of community holes near takeoff that some guys might – really lean on and they might disappear as day three and day four uh come down to it so i think that you'll see some risks being taken uh as we head to the weekend on champlain for sure and and i think champlain
0: is gonna be even more interesting because with a little bit smaller field like even last time the elite series there was probably closer to 100 anglers and now we're right around 80 low 80s right um so i think that's gonna even just like i think that gives the those inland sea and community holes that are a little closer to take off a little more merit because a little less likely that they're going to get beat up as much. Um, Lunkers asked, what is Champlain like? It has a little bit of everything. It's got deep, it's got shallow, it's got smallies, it's got everything. Uh, and he asked, you know, for Champlain. I actually do like Summerall for Champlain a lot more than I like him for the St. Lawrence. So if you really are a Caleb Summerall fan, think about, holding for this next event and finding somebody else, uh, that's probably not a bad strategy because I definitely think he will find all the flipping and frogging water he will want uh, at uh, Champlain. And, and and that has the merit. You, you absolutely have a chance to win doing that at Champlain where you're probably just trying for points and a check at, at, uh, at uh, St. Lawrence doing that. So
1: I don't, I don't think I'm wrong in thinking this last year, FLW had a pro event there. And I think that, large mouth let it day one day two day three and then something happened a local was fishing on largemouth water down there before they made that long run to tie and then somebody you know came back and won it um and was focused a largemouth. it was uh casey scanlon that won yes it was and, one out of
0: five, roga but the guy that was leading it for the first three days was fishing like some pipes and some current stuff and then yeah. there was a local permit and they got beat to it and that kind of opened the door but like most of the top 10 or a lot of the top 10 uh came out of fish and tie for largemouth, but there was a really strong smallmouth spawning bite still. People fishing deep with floggers and stuff like that. And I don't remember exactly what time of year it was, and I don't know if we'll for sure. To see some spawning smallmouth, maybe I'm not quite sure. I don't remember exactly. I feel like they're more like late June when they were there, weren't they?
1: Yeah, I feel like it was. It was right before the fourth of July. And so I think um I think that it will be a lot more consistent with smallmouth than like I think largemouth were big bags and consistent that tournament earlier in the year, but I think now late July I think smallmouth will be more consistent and they'll they would have had a chance uh, coming off of bed probably just two or three weeks ago. You know, you know I think that I think that they were on bed around two or three weeks ago. So obviously there may be some, but I think that there'll be early post spawn maybe some of that shallower. Uh, those those transitions those breaks you know they might uh, be there instead of out, out deep deep but there's that first wave that always spawns early that probably is way out deep now so it'll be a good mixture and you can catch largemouth on those on those riprap bridges and stuff up in smallmouth country Carl Jacobson's caught plenty on big swim baits up there on the on the rocks and stuff so it's an opportunity to a largemouth. Country. Yeah, I th- I, I, I,
0: it can be one with either. I think it's going to be a mixed bag or largemouth that wins it. Uh, I like
1: Solid Rock Outdoors right there. I like that. That's yeah. if he can, he survive- frog, whether
0: he goes to Mexico or goes down to tie, he's going to probably find a frog bite. So,
1: yeah, I think I think Welcher, uh, I'm surprised he doesn't have the AOI lead after you follow, but Canterbury caught him just as good, if not better, the first two events than he did. That's why he's leading. But if Welcher does okay, a okay being top 20, 25 at St. Lawrence. He even just
0: gets a big check, finish yeah. top 35.
1: Like, I think yeah. have a shot to be a top five and a AOI leader possibly after Champlain. I think that he could do really well there. But then again, you look at it, and you're like, Scott Canterbury probably has a really great track record, record at Champlain too, because he's just that good. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, Brock, he'd like to think locals would stop their tournaments for a week when the pros come. And that's. That's rarely the case to be honest and that your experience at the, I mean it happens every once in a while that we schedule it but not very often
1: yeah and that's the one unique thing that makes bass fishing uh, the the unique sport that it is is that's like if I me and you just got our got our shoes on and we got a basketball and we started shooting hoops while LeBron's trying to go on a fast break we'd probably mess up their game a lot and fishing's different it's a big lake but people are fishing locally in a tournament or for fun. Hey, it's part of the part of the game for sure. And uh, it's not it's not easy at all. I think last time I was at Champlain was for an open and I rolled up to cover Jesse Tacarante on the final day. He was in the top five and there was somebody live baiting his spot like they were fishing with like perch and they were catching just giant smallmouth and like right on his spot. They didn't know judging by who they were, and what boat they were in they didn't even know there was a tournament going on and it's Jesse's like, dang, dude, they've like let go like 25 pounds. And uh, so that's, that's the way it is. But uh, I think anglers in the South are much more accustomed to it. They're, they're used to preparing, knowing people are going to be fishing out on the weekends. Absolutely.
0: Uh, Yeah. So like, let's talk about St. Clair. Uh, so, So I think the Canadian thing is a bigger deal there. I mean, there's plenty of fish all over St. Clair, but I think that's, I mean, that kind of cuts the lake in half almost, doesn't it?
1: Oh, straight down the middle, if that's the case. But I don't know if the Canada border is just, whatever the border rules are, I don't know if they're just associated with where New York and Canada touch, or if it's all of the Canada water and it's Rainy Lake, even in Minnesota, you know, in Canada, that region, if that's cut off too, or if it's St. Clair. Um, but I feel like uh, St. Clair, you know, give it another one thing. You know, late August is gonna be. We don't know what the world's like. I mentioned it before we started. A day is like a month. A day is like a week. A week is like a month. A month is like a year when it comes to COVID. So, what happens at the end of August? I have no idea. But St. Clair should be fine. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the, we would change our off limits areas uh, if Canada was. You know, we might let them go to Huron or Erie. Um, and and it's worth noting. At the St. Lawrence, Canada's off limits for fishing, but you can navigate through Canada to get to fishable water in New York. And people might be like, well, why would you want to go to Canada if you're fishing in New York? There's so many islands and twists and turns and really shallow areas that you can navigate through, like the dam is partially in Canada as well. You can navigate through Canada to get to fishable water in New York. Different case with St. Clair because we're taking off directly on the the Detroit side and it's straight down the middle, um, you know, you don't even have to get close to that side to navigate St. Clair. But I don't think that that'll be an issue. But I also didn't think that we'd cancel or postpone as many events as we have. So,
0: Yeah. So I was listening to another podcast, and it sounds like the, the other series events and that kind of stuff, they are U.S. only on uh, St. Clair and Detroit River and all that stuff. So I think that is still happening over there. Um, and I, I believe that Canada just extended that another thirty days on their border cutoff. So the only thing would be is if they change their policy on what is allowed. Like, you know, is it just crossing? Is it fishing? And so I guess that will be that be the bigger thing to monitor. And if that opens up, but there's still a ton of water.
1: Um, like I said, you guys might We're allow that. Over, over, I think that I think that Canada order if it does go thirty days from now, it would be. Right before our practice would start, so I think that they, if if they just say, "Oh, that month was good," and it's just lifted there, it would be business as usual. But we would want to know it's thirty days from today, or if it's thirty
0: days from, and it could be like from a date in the future too. I don't know. So, but it'll still be a good event, and you're still going to smash them. And that is going to be a, a pure small month event for the most part. Like that's uh, even probably more than St. Lawrence a pure small month event.
1: Yeah, and I think that uh, I think fighter spot was in New York or was in uh, Michigan. So it was in the US. Um, there are some places in the Detroit River that would be fished that aren't normally fished. We've seen them occasionally year to year that get utilized even up into the St. Clair River up towards the year on we've seen some drifts up there that really pay off and so it'll be interesting but yeah that with the wherever it divides the river or those lakes the the Canada border that's definitely going to be a place to watch because I'd hate to see it, but a Polynesic DQ at Mississippi River with the whole Wisconsin, Minnesota culling deal. We could see a guy at any one of these events that is fishing just a little too close to the border and the wind blows and he lands a fish on the wrong side of the border and, and he's, you know, he could be done for, you know, or that that specific fish, or if he didn't know he messed up, his whole bag for that day could be DQ'd.
0: So, cool. Yeah. Huh, awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So that's kind of the the Northern Swing, and then uh, we'll finish up at uh, what uh, Santa Cooper, Lake Fork, and Chickamauga, and possibly one other event to be determined.
1: <laughs> yeah, it could be. A, it definitely could be. What well, What would we have? We'd have three, and then three. I think we'd have yeah three Northern events left with New York, New York, and St. Clair, and could possibly have. Uh, four Southern, but we have three for sure, three Southern events at the end of the year, so it'll be a, it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting race for sure for that AOI trophy for classic spots and whatnot, and we'll explain it a whole lot more if uh, you know with the testing that comes out and things at the New York event this week, um, what implications it might have. But really, uh, if Ronnie had his pick, we'd have uh, 86 negative tests and it's business as usual, no problems. Awesome. So
0: do you get one, I guess one kind of thing, do you guys do anything? Are you planning anything or do you do anything different with the ESPN live versus just the straight bassmaster.com live? Is there any extra stuff that goes into it? What else do do you put more into it? Less into it? Like what, what does that look like? And what does that mean for you guys from a production standpoint?
1: I think, uh, it's a trick question. Uh, not from you, but because of how we operate at JM. Super proud of all the people I work with. Um, they're They're never satisfied. They're never satisfied. We're the first professional fishing league to do live. And then we've just been changing with it, growing with it, doing these different things. And even if no other leagues existed and no one else was doing live, we would still be making these decisions to change and adapt and to improve the show because that's what Jay does. That's what Jerry McInnes is all about. That's what Mike McInnes' son's all about. Everyone there is motivated to put on the best show possible, no matter what it takes. So to see us do these different changes and advancements, it brings a tear to my eye because I know Jerry's proud, um, looking down on us that these things have been going to ESPN2 live, whether it's a freak year or not, those opportunities are there. But I don't, I don't think that we do anything out of the norm that we wouldn't already do because we're already getting ahead of the event. What do we want to do? What do we want to cover? Do we have to, let's, pre, let's pre-plan this. Let's, let's package this up. Hey, Ronnie, do you think you're going to do five monitor hits or what? And I'm like, hey, I can do as minimum of three and I can do a maximum of whatever we need to talk about. But um, likely I'd love to take less monitor hits even though I love to talk on camera because that means they're catching the water so well that we don't want to pull back to studio. So I, I think that one thing that I would say, is no matter who's catching them, how much we're catching them, what the state of the world is, what the state of other fishing leagues are, JM Associates who does all the TV stuff for Bassmaster, that whole portion of the crew never settles. And they're always trying to learn how to push themselves, which is why I love, I love, we don't have teleprompters. We don't, we're not, tell, we're not told to say anything. And uh, we just come up with it on our own and and uh, they they support us and they, they grow and learn. And that's why I love being the young guy in the crew, but the one who has a lot of sometimes insignificant facts, but sometimes they're really fun stats and stuff that could, we can make into a different segments. And um, I think that we really feel the power of it, uh, you know, that that the sport needs if we can continue this ESPN two live stuff. Nice. Yeah,
0: hopefully this this is like a big boost, a little big shot in the arm for the whole industry. So, um, and, and if you had teleprompters, don't I wouldn't read them anyways. So it doesn't really matter. I can't read that well to do that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Well, I think we're going to kind of wrap it up. We went about 90 minutes. That feels pretty good. I actually got the the look from the wife about 10 minutes ago.
1: Uh, I got the text from the wife asking when I was done as well. So not that she was real. <laughs>
0: Never stops, never works. But I appreciate it, Ronnie. This has been awesome. Uh, Maybe we'll do the Southern Swing, do another preview. Uh, We'll see who else we can get to talk about. Uh, And I guess I did want to point out that make sure you guys, like, this week, uh, you head over to Bassmaster.com, and they should have a bunch of pundit articles coming up. Not that any of the other ones are any good besides mine. But go here, and you're going to see – you know, Coy's and uh, Pete Robbins, and I guess we're not going to see one from Thomas Allen this week because he's kind of lazy. And uh, uh, I don't remember. There's one more, blanking. But yeah, you got him. I think there's three or four. There's one more. I'm just not. Anyways, you'll see it when it gets up there. Make sure you guys go check those out as they're coming out this week. Um, if you didn't see the whole thing, make sure you catch the replay. Uh, There's also the audio version. This will be on a podcast. And I should say that actually, are you going to be doing a a podcast episode soon?
1: uh, Ronnie, man, if I, if the world wasn't so uncertain, I would have been doing a whole lot more of my own podcasts, uh, which I do it old school. If you're, if if you want to get into a, if you want to get into a podcast, uh, I do it simply by doing my voice memos. You have voice memos on your phone. I just pull up a voice memo and I just talk into it while I'm driving down the road and boom, podcast is done. Um, a lot of people put a lot of hard work into those, but yeah, I'll probably do a podcast on it. Um, I don't want it to strictly be fantasy fishing, but I've been so lazy and so busy with other things. I haven't done them. So no excuse, shame on me, but I will, uh, I'll be back at it probably this weekend. Um, as we know more, probably I would say Sunday night or Monday, probably Monday.
0: Yeah. So there is uh, there'll be a link down in the description on the replay. It's already in there. So once it goes live, you'll see that uh, it's called Cast. To podcast with Ronnie Moore or
1: something, right? Did you get that right? Yeah, uh, you can name it. for it. I didn't even know what to call it, and I was like, I'm "Do a podcast; it'll be under my name, and then I'll figure it out." And then they were like, "Last step: name your podcast." And I was like, "Well, oh, shoot, I got to come up with a name." So I just did something about fishing cast to podcast. So it's been good though; it's fun. I like I like watching your stuff. I like watching um, some of my other buddies who have done like a uh, serious angler with uh, Bailey. He's been doing. Yeah. The- uh, Skype type lives that go on YouTube as well as podcasts. So some good people uh, doing it on their own free time that it'll eventually turn into something that they can make money on. And I'm I'm happy to see those people giving that effort. That's what it, that's what it takes. Yeah, absolutely. And if you don't already, you can
0: follow Ronnie at Ronnie Moore Bass on Instagram. I think I've got his Facebook and his Instagram link down below. Oh. And always just to, to go on to Bassmaster.com or watch ESPN2 next, uh, next week or next weekend, and you'll get all the Ronnie Moore you need in your life. So.
1: Yeah, Twitter's a great way to interact during live as well because it's so many tweets, yeah. so many up-to-date stuff. You can look at Track on Twitter as well. So Ronnie Moore Bass on Twitter as well, and you can bother me sending your fan questions. Send in your, your food photos. We love talking about the food photos on Bassmaster Live. Zona does especially.
0: Or if you get a cool setup of you watching live, that'll usually get you on there. Like if you got something
1: yeah. unique. Yeah. Like if you go your entire works
0: conference room and put your feet up on the table and take a picture, that'll usually get you on Bassmaster Live for sure. So
1: we, We've seen some teachers that have a, a recess time and they have it on their projector in their room. And that's some super cool stuff. So we've got people plowing their farm fields and they've got a GPS so they can stay on the right path. And then they have the bass live on their phone and police officers, Uh, that are on break and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. Good stuff. All right. Well, as always, thanks everybody for tuning in
0: here to help you uh, catch more bass and suck less at fantasy fishing. So until next time, we'll see you guys. Peace.